talk whatever the Lord does. So, for once, I just might not actually keep you here forever. But I will give you a short little word, and then we'll dismiss. Because I find it to be inappropriate if I would hold you hostage after a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to come from Genesis chapter 14 today. Genesis chapter 14, beginning in verse number 18. Genesis chapter 14, beginning in the 18th verse. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Genesis 14, beginning in verse number 18, and I'll just read throughout the rest of this chapter. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and him there is talking about Abraham, or as he would have been known at this point in his life, simply Abram, before the Lord had changed his name. And Melchizedek blessed him. said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Well, this might ain't working that well either. <laughs> and the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand. Thank you, brother. I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. And that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Er, Eshkel, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. And I just want to give you a little word today, simply titled, Sodom will offer a thread. In this life, as a Christian, you may be seated. As a Christian, the world all around you is going to offer you many benefits that will try to change the direction that God has for your life, whether they realize it or not. It's in our best interest to discern the ways of God and the ways of the world very quickly in this this Christian life. And whenever the world offers you anything that will give glory to itself, it's in your best interest and it's in my best interest to reject the promotions, the opportunities of the world from the world. Not because we hate the world, but because we love the Lord more than we love the world. Sodom will offer a thread. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful service that you've given us, God. And we praise your name, Lord. We set our eyes up to the hill, particularly Golgotha's hill, where our help has truly come from. 
We trust in you, God, to anoint this word that you've given me, God. I ask that you anoint my lips to properly minister what you have me say. I ask that you anoint each of us to properly receive from this word what you have us receive today, God. I ask that you that you have the Holy Spirit stay in this assembly as powerful as he has been. For without him, this entire service is pointless, God. But with you, all things are possible. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this point in Abram's life, he, his name had not yet been changed to Abraham, although we're more familiar with him as Abraham. Abram, at this point, had been called of God to leave his land, to leave his family, to leave everything that he had growing up to follow the call that God had had on his life. God's covenant promise with Abraham was simply that he would make Abraham, or Abram, I'm going to call him Abraham, but it's Abram at this point. I'm still going to call him Abraham because that's just what we know him as. God had told Abraham all of these things. Abraham's purpose in God's grand plan for all of human history was to, in essence, birth the nation of Israel, which was the nation, the people that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come through to this earth to rescue not just the Jews, but all of mankind from their sins. And God's plan did work in the end. Despite everything that the devil tried to do, everything that the world tried to do, to stop God's plan, God's plan came through in the end. And now all of us Gentiles are here because God's plan came through. Praise God. At this point in Abram's life, Abraham, Abram, at this point in his life, he has separated from a family member of his, Lot. Lot and Abraham were never, how do I put this? You could say that they were never necessarily on bad terms, but these were both men, related men, of some power to a certain degree. A lot of people, when they think about Abraham, they think of some humble ancient Jew, and there is just more to his story than that. Abraham had influence. He was a decently powerful man uh, for what he had. He had, he had much cattle. He had many people who worked for him. And we know that song, Father Abraham had many sons. He had a big family. He was a popular man. And to a degree, he was a powerful man. And his family member, Lot, at some point, there is tension between Abraham's people and Lot's people. And long story short, this causes their two groups to separate. It's not out of hostility between these two specifically. Abraham's idea of Lot is basically, listen, there doesn't need to be any further contention between the two of us. God will bless you wherever you go. So just, you know, I find it to be appropriate that we go our separate ways. And Lot, as the Bible says, goes in the, uh, I believe it would have been the east to the Jordan area. But what I want to focus on is this fact that Lot set his tents at a place named Sodom. In chapter, let's see, it mentions in chapter 13 and verse 13, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. In other words, if there was any place for, for Lot to pitch his tent, if we're talking about staying in the will of God, Sodom was the last place that God wanted Lot pitching his tent. The destination, these 
Sodom in another place, Gomorrah, we know the story. It's one of the darkest stories in the Bible, but it's history, and it's just the truth. How God would have to destroy these two places because of the sin, because of the wickedness. People say whenever we use that word sodomy, we use that in a very synonymous relation to homosexuality. And there was homosexuality at Sodom and Gomorrah, but their hearts had been so corrupted. Homosexuals get saved every day. Every day. It happens all the time. God is changing so many people's hearts and lives each and every single day. What makes these two places so important, though, is that they had been so corrupted by their own sin. The Bible mentions in the future from where we're at right now in chapter 14 how God would send two angels to get Lot and his family away from there uh, at the end of all of it. And there would be a mob gathered outside of their home. And again, long story short, this mob, which I think just shows how corrupted these people were, this mob wanted to, as a group, sexually assault the angels. This is the spiritual state of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot has pitched his tent at Sodom. Lot now considers this place, Sodom, to be a home of his, which is a massive mistake on his part. God would spare Lot's life from the judgment that he would have against Sodom and Gomorrah. But where we're at right now, Abraham receives word. What happens is that a bunch of ancient groups, a bunch of ancient cities or civilizations in general, the leaders of these places are all described as kings or rulers of some sort. So we're led to believe that it's not just a few little villages, but it is entire nations in this ancient part of history grouped together to fight against Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah get together against all of these other lands. And again, long story short, these enemies take much from Sodom particularly, including Lot himself. Abraham gets word of this, and Abraham gets everybody together. Now, whenever you think of Abraham, again, a lot of people would think of the father of faith, the humble man who always did what God told him to do. And I'm not attacking Abraham's action in this chapter because it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do. But Abraham, we see in this example, he cherishes his family very much. I hope you cherish your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ very, very much. This is your eternal family. This is your eternal family. Abraham loves his Loves Lot so much. This is blood. This is family. That Abraham gets a lot of his men together. And they go after Lot. And the Bible says that it's a great victory. That Abraham and his men have over these enemy forces. They bring a lot of stuff back with them. And of course they bring Lot back with them. They rescue Lot from all of these enemies. And the king of Sodom is just so enthralled. I guess you would say. Amazed at what Abraham has now done. Now, to the ruler of Sodom, it no doubt seemed as though Abraham was an ally now, because Abraham went against Sodom's enemies, therefore Abraham must be a friend of Sodom. But it wasn't that simple. It says here how a priest by the name of Melchizedek, who was the king of a place named Salem, 
how he basically blesses Abraham. We don't know a lot about Melchizedek other than apparently he was a very impressive and consecrated individual. Jesus himself, as our high priest, would be compared to the line of Melchizedek. So we don't know too much about Melchizedek other than the fact that he's a very devout man of God, apparently. Um, sure, not perfect, of course not. Nobody is, but still devout. But the king of Salem, or not the king of Salem, the king of Sodom goes to Abraham and asks to give Abraham a lot of stuff. Now, when the king of a land, if the president of the United States came to any of us in this place and said, here, let me help you out with whatever, or let me just, as an expression of gratitude, give you a bunch of stuff, help you out by just giving you a bunch of money, whatever, that would no doubt be pretty tempting, especially in this economy. But the issue that Abraham has is that he cannot compromise at all. His allegiance lies totally with the Lord. And not with any man. That includes any ruler of any land. Now, for all I know, Sodom had a reputation by everybody in the known world as being a wicked place. I don't know that for sure, but Abram apparently has a good idea of who is offering to provide for him and bless him so much right now. And the conclusion at the end of all of this drama is simply... That my allegiances lie with the Lord, and I will not compromise that just to associate with a sinful, wicked people. In the Bible, Egypt is often used to present a type of the flesh, or maybe even a type of sin. Egypt, on a narrative level to the Bible, is just the place of bondage. But whenever you look at how do I put this properly? You could see Sodom as simply a type of sin. The Bible says that at judgment, all of, the, all of the evil works of man, the sinful works of man, will be cast into fire to burn. Sin will always stand condemned in the presence of God. And the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, Paul would talk about it, they had been turned over by God eventually into a reprobate mind, which just means that before God judged them by destroying these two places, God had already really judged them by willingly just allowing, without making any real effort to stop their evil, just allowing them to keep on keeping on, live out their life the way they wanted to live it. And it landed them in a place of absolute sinful wickedness to the point that God himself even turned them over to a debased mind. If God himself, there is no more frightening of a judgment than to have God turn your mind over to, I guess you could say, where sin is allowed open season on your life. There is no more frightening of a judgment than that. The good news is that there is a way to avoid this judgment. And that way is the cross of Calvary. There are rewards for staying with God. Not accepting the ways of the world. Or the methods of this world. Or the doctrines of this world. There's a big movement today. and You already know about it. The New Age movement. It's of the world. And if it's not of the world, it's of the devil. Entertaining this idea that a Christian 
can do things that the Bible obviously condemns, such as witchcraft, necromancy, speaking to the dead. None of these things are biblical or approved of God. Witchcraft in the Old Testament was condemnable by death. There are many doctrines and many ideas of the world today, and God wants you and I to have no part of any of it. Because God knows better than a lot of us do, better than I do. I'm sure that His ways are still higher than my ways. God is always going to be wiser than John Washington. And even if John Washington does not understand why God is putting me in a place that doesn't seem to be too beneficial, at least materially, it will always still be in my best interest to walk down this path that God has paved for me. That path is paved by the blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ. My best interests for my life will always be to walk by faith in the Son of God. The world just might offer me the opportunity that I think I want, and the wealth that I think that I want, and the things that I think that I want. But these are all distractions, these are all hindrances from probably the devil himself to get me away from faith in Christ. There's a reason why Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. It's not the money itself. A dollar is an inanimate object. It's the temptation that Satan is bringing to you when you have so much access to so many things. I don't mean to hop down a rabbit trail here, but it's in my best interest. It's in your best interest to stay walking by faith in the Son of God, regardless of what Sodom will offer you. Abraham said, I won't even take a threat from you. Now, you've got to keep in mind, he's speaking to the king of Sodom. I'm sure if a lot of people were speaking to this king, they would probably be intimidated. And even if Abraham would have been intimidated by the king of Sodom, at the end of it all, he still had his allegiances properly prioritized. Even if I am intimidated by the world, at the end of it all, who am I going to remain loyal to? At the end of the temptations, at the end of the suffering seasons, at the end of it all, what does my faith look like? It's not about just the temptation or just the sufferings. Christians suffer. We suffer. Suffering to a degree is normal in the Christian life, whether it's physical suffering, emotional suffering, often even spiritual suffering. There are days... When it feels like the flesh is just trying to break into your heart just to reclaim a throne that once belonged to it. Those spiritual battles can be tough, but it's not just about the battle. It's about where my faith is in the midst of the battle. What is my faith going to be at? What is my, who is my faith going to be in at the end of the battle? It's in our best interest to keep our faith in Jesus Christ. And the good news at the end of all of it is that we don't just keep our faith in the Son of God just to avoid the evil of this world, even though that is a big part of it. But faith in the right object for us, that is Christ and His finished work, that's rewarding. God honors faithfulness to His Son and His finished work. 
I told you just recently, I went to that revival last night and I saw two people that I knew in high school who lived like the world because spiritually they were of the world. Two people who since we've graduated have gotten married and I watched them worship God together. I would have never thought that I would have seen that five or six years ago. Generations just get more lost every every decade, every couple decades, every century. It looks like that apparently the public school system has gotten a lot worse since I graduated. Which to me, as someone who graduated what about five years ago, that's weird. <laughs> Suddenly, a few things start to make more more sense about why I feel that way when I get out of bed. But whatever, when you put a few things into perspective. But it's getting worse. The world is becoming more evil, and that evil is reaching to influence whoever it can. I heard a song that was sung by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, and friend, I'm going to just start living by this because it's faith in Christ. Though Satan is busy, God is real. All God has to be is there for you, and Satan can't do a thing if you keep your faith in Jesus Christ. God is going to reward that faith, especially if we're praying over lost loved ones. Why wouldn't God make an effort to save the lost people that we are praying for, knowing that it's not his desire for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance? I watched two people who were living for Satan, their spiritual father, five or six years ago, Worshiping the living God together, holding hands and lifting the other hand up to worship God last night. God can do wonderful things. And wouldn't you have guessed that God did bring that nation through Abraham that he talked about. And the entire world has been blessed with the gospel through that nation. You and I have been blessed through that nation that God brought from Abraham. God is faithful to his promises. Why shouldn't we be faithful to him? We should be faithful to him because faithfulness to the living God is rewarding. Jesus Christ did come through. He did offer himself up as a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of all of humanity. He satisfied the demands of the law of God. He satisfied the divine wrath of God upon Calvary's cross. He satisfied all of it so that you and I could live in personal communion relationship with the living God. Eternity with God does not start whenever I die. It starts when I get saved. I'm walking with Jesus right now. So even if Sodom, even if the devil, even if the world offers you a thread, don't take it. Don't take the thread. Because if you have more than a thread in Christ already, why do you need anything from Sodom? Why do you need anything from the world? The riches that you and I have, the spiritual treasures that you and I have in Christ are always going to supersede whatever this world can have for us. Because though Satan is busy, God is still real. Amen. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and dismiss now. Would anybody like to testify, though, before we dismiss?